0: people i'm trying to get my lighting right welcome to love babs love talk on babs rolls ivy and uh it's monday it's
1: really...
0: <laughs> like you could hear the rain you could hear it i'm not averse to the rain i actually like it and now that uh i gotta i gotta work Ooh, that's terrible
1: <laughs> i don't know why
0: i can't get this because this... i feel like the lighting situation is just not working in my favor I don't, know I don't know what that's about. That looks pretty decent. I, I, need, I, need to, I need some lighting people to come in and fix it. I'm usually good about this. Like I'm trying to like make sure I don't look ashy or washed out. You know what I mean? So anyway, let's get into it. I hope everybody had a good weekend. I had a great weekend. Oh, Tom Breen's Tom birthday party was so good. And, uh, and then he told me that Lucy is pregnant. I was so excited. I'm so excited. So excited. Like, that's, a, that's such a big deal, you know, because I, I married them. So I feel like I'm part of their family. I'm, I'm, I'm squarely rooted in their story. So congratulations, Tom and Lucy. Such good news. Such good news. I was just beyond over the moon.
1: Yay! So, so that was good. That was that was uh Saturday, and then
0: uh, then we ran over to the uh, city city gallery and saw Susan Klinar, Linda Mickens, and uh, Shonda Holloway. They were my guests on Thursday, uh, and I got to see their exhibit, which is stunning. So, if you have not seen this exhibit, Get your asses over there and see the the work of these three women. It is stunning, just absolutely stunning. So I'm going to go back because it's there through the 20th. So I'm going to go back when I can spend some time by myself. Because, you know, when you're you're at a reception, it's like people, like people and wine everywhere, you know, tight. So I'm going to go back when I can just take it all in by myself. Uh, but some some of the work is just gorgeous, just gorgeous, gorgeous. So and then, you uh, face cousin Dwayne was in town. He came and hung out on the porch a little bit,
1: and uh, and that was pretty cool. So I mean, you know, life is good. Life is good. Uh, life is good. I can't complain. So that was that was the weekend,
0: and then yesterday, uh, Marguerite Burke showed up. Now, Marguerite Burke, is, I met her through uh, my friend Ann Mazzaro. Marguerite Burke is an international captain, so she can sail the seven seas um, anywhere, and she has a, a forty four foot, forty two foot yacht um, that she keeps in the Caribbean, and she has a place here and a. Couple places in Saint Croix, place Saint Martin. So she stopped by, brought a bottle of wine, and we caught up. And I don't think I've seen her in like a long, 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 long time. So it was really nice to just sit and talk. And she's going to be on the vineyard at the same time I'll be in the vineyard. So hopefully we'll run into each other again. Because I leave for Martha's Vineyard on Thursday, so so I won't be here Thursday and Friday. Because I'll be on Martha's. I won't be here Thursday, Friday, or Monday. So so am getting me a little summertime in, a little summer, a little taste of summer. You know, cause I stay on the grind, and uh, I gotta take my little breaks wherever I can get them. So, so yeah, so this will be nice. I hadn't had a, a break since uh, my birthday, since I since I went to Marrakesh, uh, and that was good. So, so this will be my little summer, my little summer break. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Monday. So it gives me a nice little long weekend on the vineyard, and I'll be there for the jazz festival. So it'll be really, really nice. So I'm excited about that um let's see what else excuse me you know what happens when I get seven seven hours of sleep I feel sleepier when I get five hours of sleep three four when I get four or five hours of sleep I feel way more refreshed <laughs> I get seven to eight hours of sleep I feel like I'm dragging but I, I'm gonna still try to shoot the seven hours no matter because they say that's the magic number for for sleep but it just makes me feel uh, tired and you know it's funny Harry uh I was thinking about uh Arrested Development I was singing that before before I even turned on the computer you know before I even logged in so when I when I logged in I heard I was like all right and you know it's 50 years of hip-hop so that was just so appropriate and we have to find a way to celebrate hip-hop so Harry why don't we play like uh, a hip-hop song every day, like something. I don't know, you pick. Something good, somebody, you know. Uh, so we can celebrate 50 years of hip-hop. I can't believe hip-hop is 50 years. It just feels like it's much younger than that. Because I am 60. I don't remember listening to hip-hop when I was 10. I didn't come to hip-hop until I was a teenager. You know, like I didn't come to rap music until run DMC. and you know, like Slick Rick and all that kind of stuff. I was thinking about this. I was like, what was the first hip-hop song I heard? I think it was like, you know, like Slick Rick and and uh, uh, Sugar Hill Gang and um, Diggable
1: Dick, uh, Dick, Planets and, you know, all those cats. Um, Dougie Fresh. uh
0: and then I, and then, oh yeah, run DMC. Um and then I started getting into rap. Like I I didn't really, I wasn't really into it. And I had a very short window for enjoying it, right? I had like a very short window. Because it was not my favorite mode of music. I I dug some stuff, but not all of it. And then after a while it just got on my nerves. And I and I absolutely hated gangster rap. You know, because it just feels so hard. And I and I, I didn't live a hard life. So, you know, I mean I came up harsh, but I didn't live hard. So 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 it wasn't music for my for my evolution, but and it wasn't really the backdrop of my music. Uh, but there were some songs I done, t- listen, there were some songs that you play, and I was like, all right now, uh uh. You know, I mean I, I was a I was a big Tupac Shakur fan. Uh, I like Biggie. I like Diddy. Back in the day, I liked. I mean, there was a lot of them that I liked. You know, I liked a lot of the women. I love Queen Latifah. Uh, I love MC Light. So I, so I listened to some music. I listened to some rap and some hip hop. You know, but will I? Will I? Can I tell you if I had some real favorites? I think Sugar Hill Gang was probably my favorite because they were the first one. That was the first. That was the first bunch of rap words that I knew that I could sing. You know what I mean? And sing it like strong with conviction. You know, it's like a hip hop, hip hip, hip, hip to the hop, pop, bang, bang, up, jump the boogie. You know what I mean? Like if it comes on, I can sing it. <laughs> you know, some of these things, like you asked me now, I couldn't sing that near damn thing. But if, but if you, if you play the music, I know all the words. And I'm like that with a lot of songs. Like if, if, if I, if you ask me to sing a song, I I probably won't know the words. But if I if you play the music, I'm so into it. So fifty years of hip hop. I should have somebody on to talk about hip hop. Maybe I have Dooley come on, you know, because he was at the he was at the beginning of that stuff too, you know, and he was running around Europe doing hip hop. So uh, put out a couple of CDs. So you know. i'm I'm here for it i'm here for it i'm here for it uh anyway that's that's the world that we live in so let me tell you something i don't know if y'all paid attention if y'all are on the gram or you paid attention to social media where there was this uh fight in uh in alabama in montgomery at the water
1: i guess the the guy that works the brother that works On the wharf uh was mad. No, the brother wasn't mad. The white
0: folks was on a boat. And another boat needed to get in, and they needed to get out the way, and they didn't want to get out of the way for the bigger boat. And uh so the brother that just was a worker on the wharf was like, you know, just doing his working. They jump off their boat and they go try to beat his ass. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you something, black folks jumped off boats. There was a young brother that swam, jumped in the water and swam across the channel, climbed up and jumped in the melee. And let me tell you something, black folks came from all over the place and whooped these white folks his ass. And then there was this one brother with a folding chair <laughs> and he was putting some work in. With this folding chair, with these white folks coming off this boat trying to start some mess, and uh, and so, so black internet, black social media, can take something and run with it all day, all day. Let me tell you something. I can't even describe how much fun this has been to watch this, um, to uh, to look at this. To to crack up about this, um, but they don't went and found the brother that actually invented
1: uh, <coughs> invented the um, folding chair, which was hilarious, and now everybody's throwing up folding
0: chairs in solidarity. Uh, but it just uh, his name is Nathaniel Alexander. He invented the folding chair. So everybody's been posting up all this stuff. But, uh, uh, and everybody's got it. Everybody, because this little white boy got up there and thought he was going to whip this brother's butt. So he's going to get up there. He gets to fighting. And the next thing you know, you see brothers running from every which kind of way. And then they're going to call themselves jumping this white, this black brother. They they jump on him. These white people, they jump on him. They're hitting them. All this other kind of stuff. And let me tell you something, this brother comes down the ramp, this brother swims across the channel, brother's coming down the moor down the ramp, they are coming like they are running. And let me tell you, the brother that jumps in the water, he jumps in the water and swims to the fight. So damn this, damn this, black people don't swim. He jumped in the water and swam to the fight and got in there, mixed it up. Listen, and then when it's all said and done, because there was so much video of how the white people started it. The white people started it. (laughs) So at the end, you see all the white people handcuffed, sitting on the ground, looking beat up. Somebody got their ass whooped so bad, they they went clean through their
1: Crocs. So the Crocs were sitting on their shins. (laughs) I just... (laughs) If
0: this ain't a this is a classic case of F around and find out. And then somebody said, this is F around and find out exponentially, meaning uh, <laughs> f and around, all kinds of Fing around, all kinds of finding out exponentially was hilarious. So everybody's got to post it up. So if you have a chance to see it, it's just, I, you know, I, listen, white folks, Stay in your lane, because I, I, I know you in Montgomery, Alabama, but this is not 1963, baby. This is 2023. And these Black people are going to kick your ass. <laughs> Rotate. That brother was just doing his job,
1: and they got out of pocket. They ran up on him like he was uh, uh Like, 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 like... Like he was the problem. He's like, I'm just doing my job, and they jumped on him. So thank God the police didn't come and be all stupid. You know, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was that was that was uh that was uh, a an, an amazing funny thing. You know. That
0: was fun. So I had a good laugh. And I I tell you what the funniest part was the way that people just ran with it and just made it funnier. And if you, if you're on black social media, just go look, like go to the shade room or I I don't even know if there's black X, you know, formerly Twitter. I don't know. I don't know if there's black X, (laughs) you know, I, I don't know if that's that, but uh,
1: I would suggest that people go check out uh, Black Twitter. That would be kind of fun, and uh, you'll get a you'll get a huge
0: laugh because uh, all the memes that came out of it just
1: hilarious. I hope the brothers are right. You know, I hope everybody's all right. You know. anyway so people are going in on it and uh
0: it's still fun it's still the funniest thing it's still the funniest thing so I didn't really pay too much to too much politics although I like most people I like the state department I like the the uh pentagon I'm concerned about uh China and Russia you know doing some kind of I I, guess, I I guess they're being intimidating is that, is that how we're supposed to view them being off the coast of Alaska? You know, I mean, they're still in international waters. They ain't crossed that line. But here again, this is another example of F around and find out China and Russia. F around and find out. Because I, 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 I don't know, maybe this is some kind of intimidation. You know, they're they're training together, maneuvers, whatever it is they think they're doing. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, careful, careful. You know know how this go. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. You know, and I I think they are anxious, you know, because things ain't going right with Ukraine. And, uh, you know, they feel some, Russia feels some kind of way about that. And then I hear, you know, Russians are making alliances with some countries in Africa. Listen, I ain't mad at that because let me tell you what I know. There are no permanent enemies. There are no permanent friends in international matters. Uh, that's it. So they're going to supply some grain. They're going to pick up the pick up the shipping charge. You know, they like Amazon on steroids. I'm like, okay, we can work with that. But if they get out of pocket, they could get handled too. That's it. You know that's just that's just diplomacy. we we cool until we ain't. <laughs> We're gonna be cool until we ain't. and that's I think that's how everybody's gonna have to deal with Russia. We're gonna be cool until we ain't. And then when we ain't, then we got to come with some. I, I I don't know. So anyway, uh, I don't have any guests until tomorrow. And the guests that I have tomorrow are the folks that are part of uh, the online journalism, the Haven Independence um, um, project around um, uh, reviewing our arts around the country. And they've got a couple of places that they are squarely starting with Oakland, um, uh, Tulsa, and New York. And I think there might be a couple of others. But anyway, uh, the, 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 the cast of critics are coming on. Art critics are coming on tomorrow. Tomorrow is it tomorrow? Tomorrow, and they're going to talk about all the stuff that they've been checking out. And I've been reading it, so if you if you go to New Haven Independent, you can read uh, uh, what they have to offer. Um, it's it's showing up in their in their respective cities and towns in their online publications, um, and then it's going to be here. But we're going to have a conversation tomorrow because there's been some cool stuff, and I'm going to tell you. I, I wouldn't be adverse to going to these places and checking it out and being live there. and I'm just saying <laughs> I know we I know we know I know we're not a big budget outfit like other places, but I'm just saying put me on a avelo and uh get me a nice little room somewhere uh, a couple of days. I only need a couple of days so I could run through eat drink and be merry and then you know roll with the roll with the art critics and uh, have a real conversation. <laughs> I'm just trying to make more work for myself. <laughs> but anyway, they're gonna be on. They're gonna be on. A, they're gonna be on a Thursday, and I'm so looking forward to uh, talk talking to them because I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be hella fun, and uh, interesting. And I love. I I've forgotten how much I love reading art critic stuff. It's like when people go to stuff and they talk about it. Artistic stuff, and uh, there's a couple, and there's a couple of things in New York that I was like, I really would like to go see it. There's something that I want to see now that the that somebody was writing about uh, that I I kind of want to go see before the twentieth, and it's a it's it's a bit of a uh, a challenge because you know um, time is of the essence, but I, I mean that might just
1: be a it might be a, a wonderful thing. Uh, to pop in, uh, let's see. Also, oh, there I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. So, um, there's some stuff going on. So, but yeah, if you if you get a chance,
0: go over to the, uh, go over to the uh, the arts, mm, go over to the New Haven Independent, and check out the arts stuff. That would be really good. I've yet to get over to, uh, I've never been to the arts. I've never been to the Yale Summer Cabaret, never. Which is funny when I tell that to people, they're like, what, you? No, I haven't. And it's because it always comes up and I always live, like in other spaces. So now I have to, I'm gonna go look at their calendar and see what I could catch. Lucy did this piece on uh, uh, Pride 365. So I'm gonna read that. And I'm going to go to their website and see what they got coming up next. I mean, summer is, you know, rolling out, but I don't care. I'm
1: sure they got some stuff going on. I'm sure they got one or two more things. Um, Yes. So
0: I see the candidates are still out there stomping. Lean Lean Brenham is out there trying to get get a petition. So good. That's what you're supposed to do. You want it, you got to fight for it. You ain't get the nomination? You ain't get the nod, the backing? Fight. Get in there and fight. I'm excited. So
1: anyway. Uh, let's see what else is going on. I was trying to find the uh I was trying to find oh, they got
0: some new, they got some new stuff up. Okay. Uh from Tulsa, the the far flung review crew dispatches. Okay. So in Oakland, uh, they got parking lot comedy. Night is lit. Oh, I want to read about that. Oh, Jamil Raglan is in Hartford. So he's the Hartford connection. Uh, a new way of seeing through Fred. Oh, that's right. The Frederick Douglass. I need to get to Hartford to see that. Oh my god. See, this is why you need a art, you need this kind of thing, so that you could uh uh oh Harry, you put it up on the <laughs> the the black aquaman you don't even got to call him the black aquaman because jason momoa it was the aquaman and jason momoa ain't white so there you go um so aquaman he got into he's listen you know we'll get into a fight let me tell you something so anyway so going back to the uh art critic stuff so now now i gotta spend some time reading all this because i want to know now I, i'm gonna pick a day and i'm gonna drive up to the frederick Douglass at the uh i gotta go and see this uh, because there's another there's another piece up there too that that goes with it so i'm, I'm gonna go see it i'm gonna go check it out oh it's time to
1: color this hair again oh well we'll see what happens uh Let's see, what else
0: is going on? Oh, the Community Foundation, they, they they gave out 2 million to 77 nonprofits. That's it? Just 2 million? They got more money than that? 77 is a lot.
1: How much is that? Is that like $100 a piece? I'm just saying. Let me not talk bad about the Community Foundation. That's all right. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to go back and read these. Uh... And, you know, when you
0: read when you read about other people's art exhibitions, it inspires you because you're thinking, hmm, parking lot comedy, I wonder if we could do that here. Sure we can. <laughs> and now that I'm part of the regicides, sides, broken umbrella people, and I've yet to go to one rehearsal and show up for one thing. But I am, I just got to get past all the, I got too many irons in the fire and i like it like that yeah baby i like it like that yeah uh let's see oh thank you to all the people who still listen to me i appreciate you i saw some folks shout me out uh technology facial recognition false arrest harry don't get me started on false arrest because i'm reading nicholas's dowdorf's book the other side of prospect and I'm heated. Harry, if, my, if that book had been a TV, it would have been slammed to the ground. Because I read how they, I just think, I got to have a bigger conversation with some people. And then, you know, on the heels of Charles Ogletree, who was a, a personal hero of mine, uh, a Harvard professor, beloved Harvard professor. Let me tell you how I came to know Charles Overstreet and Titus all in together. He used to, he was on the, they, it. They uh, PBS did a thing called a Question of Ethics, and he was the host. And he assembled a, 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 a wide panel of people, and they put a question out there to deal with it ethically. And this was the most fascinating thing I've ever watched. I loved this so much. It didn't last, I don't know how long it lasts, but I loved it. And I and in the back of my mind, I always dreamed of doing something like that. here, a question of ethics, a symbol of the best the best and the brightest minds to tackle an issue. And so I saw Charles Og- Ogletree be the host of this, and he was brilliant. And I just was so like, "Wow, you know. So he just passed away uh, a few days ago. And the outpouring of love and respect and admiration is just stunning. So anyway, so so I say all that to say uh I I I I I've got a fire lit in me about the way children are processed in the system, the way uh detectives carry on. And I'm gonna have a conversation with the chief. And you know, honestly, th- and this is gonna be my 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 rant. My, t- my thing. And I, I, I don't know if Chief, Chief Carl Jacobson is listening to me now, but I'm going to call you, bruh, and we can have a conversation. Because I honestly think the Nicholas Dowdorf book ought to be police-wide reading. I don't know if you could m- make it mandatory, but at least every every incoming police academy across this state, maybe across the country, should read this book and then have discussion about it because I, I think you're going to have to do a couple of things, you know, to root, to clean up police departments across this country, you know, because because it's easy to say de- de- defund. But what is, and I know what that means, contrary to the these right-winger dummies, ninny heads, who think it means, oh, we're not going to have any police. I'm like, shut up. That's not what that means. It means D. De- militarize the police department and put some supports in place that speak to what the community needs. That's what defund the police department means. So all you ninny has talking about, you not know want any police, nobody is saying they don't want no police. What is wrong with you? If my car gets stolen, I want to call the cops and I want them to come. And I want them to come and handle, take my statement, not beat my ass, right? <laughs> that's, that's what I want. So I think this Nicholas Dawe book should be standard reading, and I and I and I'm gonna task the chief with getting his captives and all the people read this book, and then y'all get together and talk about this, you know? Because honestly, this is this is this is the, the New Haven Police Department, and and I know the, the 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 detectives that did this mess, Quinn and Willoughby, they're no longer there because they you know, Willoughby got caught up in some other mess and he ended up resigning, uh, resigning still. And he got exonerated from that foolishness. But even getting exonerated from that foolishness just shows that the police department has got to do some other stuff. You got to have some other checks and balances. And I, I wore Paul Bass's ear off at um, at uh, Tom Green's party because I was so incensed. The fact that this kid, Bobby, was tagged for a murder he didn't commit, and at any time they could have stopped this charade, and they didn't, and they let it go all the way to. <laughs> they let it go on and on and on and on, and and I don't, I couldn't for the life of me see where the stop gaps were. Like who checks the detectives? Doesn't somebody get to look over their work and say, "All right, this is what you're saying, but where's the proof, the evidence?" There ought to be a checklist. Did you do this? Did you do this? And I, you know what? And this foolishness is about, well, we, we have to trust the detectives. They have their methods and all this other kind of mess. Can't, we would never accept that from a, a surgeon or your dentist or whatever. We would never accept that. No place would we accept without checks and balances. No place. So why do detectives get to have carte blanche? Why? Ah. And here's the crazy part for me because it just seems like they were just incompetent detectives because I'm sitting here and I'm reading this thing and I'm I'm no detective. I'm just playing one on the radio. I'm no detective. I'm just playing one on the radio. But I'm thinking when old girl, you know, when he went to old girl's house and parked in front of her house, she had to tell that old lady, his girlfriend told her son or grandson or whatever the hell, nephew or whatever it was, This cat always has money, blah, 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 blah. That was a setup right there. It was just a setup. He was sitting on West Ivy. She knew, he knew. Only people knew that was her. And then next thing you know, these kids run up on him and kill him, shoot him. And wait, this little boy, Bobby, he ain't got no habit of this. They already, they got this kid, Major, who's been running around, got at least six, six to eight bodies under his belt. They don't pick this kid up. They don't pick up this serial killer. <laughs> they pick up the innocent kid and they run with it. So that makes me think something else is at work here. Now the major kid is a little gun for hire. Little gun for hire. So he wasn't a gang, he was like a lone wolf. So this, this is my, this is my, my thinking because otherwise this doesn't make any sense that Willoughby and Quinn would press so hard to see this kid go down for some mess that he didn't do. So that means that Willoughby, I don't know if I could get sued for saying all this kind of stuff. I hope not. This just, this just observation. I'm not saying it's true. I can't prove none of this. I, I'm thinking somebody, somebody said, you got to protect our our shooter, our guy. This our guy. He do our dirty work. You gotta just look out for him. Keep your eye on him. He listen. We need him out here doing doing the assassin work that we we can't do. And because corruption is a thing, maybe that's what they was into. Can't prove it because everybody went all down, everybody went left, right, up, down, and and didn't follow this through. I don't know why cops would want to have bad cops among them. I don't don't see that. I just don't get it. Why do good cops wanna rock out with bad cops? Why do they want bad cops to set the tone and timber for how people see police officers? Why? Why do you want bad cops to represent you? That's the part I don't get. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. If I'm a cop and I'm good at what I do, I want that to show up. I don't want the bad cop's reputation to taint me. Oh, hell no. Uh-uh, 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 uh uh-uh. So that's why I say this book has got to be, this book should be standard reading for everybody that comes into the police academy. Everybody that comes in a, into the police academy ought to have to read this book. And then they have to have facilitated conversations about it. I don't give a damn. Because the only way you're going to change culture is to get people to understand, to, to, to read, to reset people's moral compasses. Cause it just seemed like Willie B had no moral compass. And I know why he don't have a moral compass. We share DNA. So I get that. I get it, I get it, I get it. You know, I get it, but that just bothered me. And then, this, then that stupid ass state's attorney guy, oh my God, and he, go, he goes, goes further with the Clark. He goes further with it. Well, he signed a confession. No child should be, should be able to sign a confession without parental oversight or guardian ad litem. None. I don't care. And you know what else they should have in police departments? There should be signs in all these interrogation rooms. From the moment you walk, there'll be signs everywhere. You don't have to say a damn thing. Call an attorney, and there should be like a 1-800 call attorney. If you need one for 15 minutes, to just like walk you out of this mess until you can go get an attorney. I hate, this is why I want to be an attorney, because I want to be that 1-800 attorney, because I swear to God, they should not have had that. They freaking picked this kid up off the street, didn't tell his parents nothing, took him downtown, held him, and not near one of these cops walking by and nothing saying, Oh, this is wrong. You can't do this. Don't do that. You cannot hold 15-year-old kids for hours and hours and hours and give them soda and chips. And then, and then swear to them, I- I'm, a, I'm trying to help you out. I'm, a, I'm trying to get you to take a 10-year probation plea. And then, and you know, and you know it's a lie. It is an outright lie. And you, you swear this, see, this is how sexual predators get away with harming children because they swear them to secrecy. This is what happened. So this is akin to sexual predators ish to me. Swore this child to secrecy and swore the other child to secrecy. Don't tell anybody it's gonna mess up your deal. Don't say anything, it's gonna mess up your deal. And they've driving around the neighborhood glaring at him and scaring him and all this other kind of stuff, you know, and threatening and all this other kind of stuff. That should never happen, should not happen so i i'm I I'm a, a tasked chief with I'm a task the chief with a uh, citywide read a, a police wide read and, and the fire department too anybody who's in services they should read this because this this is this this is such an outrageous <sighs> miscarriage of justice that it just every I, I I'm trying to finish it and and I asked I asked Paul and Carol, I was like, am I, is this, is there a happy ending to this? <laughs> and, and They were like, I'm afraid not. <laughs> I mean, there is a happy ending in the sense that he gets out and he gets a huge settlement, but that can't make up for, and you know, and you, and you're reading how he is trying to stay sane in an insane situation. How he's trying to stay sane in such a situation i'm i'm reading it but i i tell you i can't let this go it is it is in my veins how this miscarriage of justice you talk about prosecutorial misconduct
1: no child should be made to sign nothing without the consent
0: of a guardian a guardian at litem their parents, the grandparents, some community activists, some damn body. Somebody. And then he gets to, he gets up to Big Cheshire and, and and there's story after story of other people being beaten down by Willoughby, by Clarence Willoughby. I'm gonna tell you something. He should have lost his pension. He should have lost and Quinn too, they should have lost their pensions for this foolishness. I don't, you could go and tell them I said so. They should have lost their pensions because that was unconscionable. And it's, a, and, it, and it's, 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 and every police officer at that time that knew what was going on and kept a tight lip. And then you wonder why the community has no regard for police officers. It's this kind of behavior. It is this kind of behavior will it be betrayed the very community he claimed to care about betrayed it and i and i for the life of me i don't know what for (laughs) bruh for what (laughs) i I, for the life of me i I still i always want to get in a room be like why you pick this kid like what i I need somebody to just get in a room and ask him before he dies before his health fails him and he dies or maybe he'll write it down on a piece of paper before he dies This is why I did this. And and just tell the truth. Walk in truth.
1: Just tell the truth. You know, just just tell the truth. I just, it just bothered me.
0: It really and it's not like I'm gonna become an attorney, I can save anything or I can make any inroads, but damn it, damn it, damn it.
1: Damn it. And Diane Pollan had Kwame, which was a, which was smart. But gosh. And he fought and he got off. But you know,
0: 15-year-old kids can't be making these decisions. You know how 15-year-old kids can't go on the store and buy alcohol or cigarettes? Same thing. That's how I see it. 15-year-old kids can't confess to a damn thing. They can't confess. Not, not without. Without all some channels in place, you cannot browbeat people. That's that's torture, and torture is terrorism. So unless we're unless police departments are are prepared to get rid of terroristic uh, uh, practices, then it's never it's it's never gonna they're never gonna have a re, have a rapport with the community as long as they are allowed to use tactics of terrorism. And there are some great cops out there. This is what I'm I'm talking to all the great cops out there who have relationships with with people in community, who come around, who are not trying to beat kids down, who don't see kids in hoodies as weaponized threats, who who see potential and not danger. There are some good cops out there. And I'm telling y'all, you good cops out there, stand your asses up and don't let these bad cops represent who you are you gotta do it otherwise you gonna wear the
1: scarlet letter that a bad cop has put on you that's it that's that's the only way out you know you good cops gotta stand up i can't i can't trust
0: I cannot trust, and the chief can't do it by himself. You gotta have people who be like, this is what we're gonna do. And I need the chief to, to get get serious about weeding out bad cops, you know? And it'll start with, you know what, we're gonna do, a, we're gonna do a, a, a police-wide read of this book. Everybody gonna read this book. The janitors, the people that clean the offices, the people that, everybody gonna read this book. You're gonna go find some money in the budget and you're gonna buy everybody that serves in that New Haven Police Department, this damn book. And you're going to read it. Everybody going to read it. And then you're going to set up opportunities to have facilitated conversation. I That's the, listen, if you're not doing that, then you're not leading. Because this is too important. Because this is the beginning of how you fix a lot of the ills and relationships that you have in community. And you might scoff at all, like, oh, we don't want to make police officers soft. Why not? but Why don't you want to make police officers soft? It's not gonna. I'm not saying they they're not supposed to use their weapons and when they're faced with imminent danger. I'm not suggesting that. I know what police saw. So I was a police commissioner. I know the training that they go through. I know how good it is. It's some good ass training that goes on. New Haven has said you gotta have two years of, of collegiate training to come on this police force. That was a, a, a huge change. You just can't walk in from high school. You got to have some college. And, you know, and college just says, it gives you opportunity to stretch your intellectual capacity for the work, for the work. With a smarter cop is a better cop. It is. I'm t- I'm 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 gonna text the chief and say, listen, I should have a conversation with you because this is what I want to. And and I hope he's listening this morning. Sometimes he listens. He tells me he's like, oh, you know, Babs, I catch you sometimes. But this, the, I think you should. I think you should. I think you should find some money in the budget, by everybody in the police department this book, to, from detectives to janitors, everybody to to the cats that ride the bikes to the cat. And then and and listen. Listen, go go across the go across the, the yard and 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 have the police over the police chief over there, Yale, police, make them read the book too. Tell their tell them to find some money in their budget and all their cops buy by buy, buy the damn book and read it. And then y'all have some facilitated conversation. Swear to God. That's the beginning. That's, that's, the, that's, that's, the big, that's the foundation in which you build how to change the culture of the police department. This, that mess incensed me so much. And on top of it, and listen, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this is, this, this is helpful. Because then you have police officers who harmed a, a person in their care, in their custody, which is care, in a truck, and he's paralyzed. The culture has to be changed. You have to get police officers to remind themselves that they too are humans (laughs) and that they too are citizens and that they too have an obligation to live up to protect and serve. And that when somebody is in their custody, that means they are
1: in their care. That's how I feel. I'm not kidding you. I feel so strongly about
0: this. I wanted to throw my book across Ivy Street because I was reading it. And it's beautifully written. Nicholas Dalvadoff did a great job. Uh, It's a beautifully written book. I'm following along and I'm incensed. I can feel my blood pressure. I can feel myself boiling. I was like, this poor child. And then I'm waiting. And every time I've turned a page, I'm waiting for somebody to say, all right, let's, let's just fix this. I'm waiting. I'm reading and I'm waiting. I'm like, at some point, somebody gonna
1: fix this.
0: <laughs> at some point, somebody's gonna write in and say, and I'm so mad at that asshole Clark who was like, Well, he's he signed a confession. I'm thinking if you got a child, and and, and I don't know anything about him, maybe he does. If you got a child, put him in a room with somebody intimidating. Put him in, put him in a room with somebody intimidating. I don't know who, I don't know who it is, anybody. Charles Manson, I don't know. Put him in a room with somebody who's threatening them and scaring the crap out of them and see what your kids are to get out of it, to get out of there, to, to get free. You, you, you Show me. I, no, I, you don't even need to do your kid. Put your ass in the room with somebody intimidating and see how you do. See how you do, right? Because at the end of the day, all you want to do is get free, get home. Listen, it's as if we didn't learn any lessons from the exonerated five, you know, the, the central part, that, that, that same, same, same foolishness. And there's a, uh, there, there's a, there's a method to this. I, I can't remember the, I think it's the right chart message method, some, some mess method to this. And I'm thinking y'all need to throw that method out
1: because that method is inhumane, you know. And listen, be better detectives.
0: So, so, so the person that killed Major has never been found. Never been found. He's just an unknown cat. That's that's how it's that's how it's unknown. Nobody ever seen him before. Unknown. Unknown. And please don't start. Well, well, the community's got to help us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that that might be true. That might be true but y- y'all are on y'all are oh for a thousand with protecting <laughs> you you owe for a thousand with protecting and and people understand they understand they understand where, where where their fortunes lie they understand they understand that they they they're not gonna be and this you can say whatever you
1: want about snitching because let me tell you something about snitching good police officers ain't
0: snitching on bad police officers. So you could see it, you could recognize it and be, have disdain for it out there in the streets, but you not doing anything to cure it within the ranks of the police department. So the creed on the street is no snitching. But guess what? So is the creed inside the, the New Haven Police Department and police departments across this country. So you, so while you say, oh, this old this anti-snitching stuff is, you know, whatever, uh, well, then I think you've got to clean your own house. You've got to, you've got to look inside. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got to, you've got to look, look at your own reflections. So So while you want these people to put their lives on the line, none of y'all ain't willing to do it neither. None of y'all, you know, maybe, maybe you put an anonymous box somewhere (laughs) and don't, and don't put no cameras on it so people could just walk by without fear and slip a note in and say, this officer is doing this now, and the other thing, can you investigate? And then you go about the business of investigating. You know, and you do it quietly without a whole lot of fanfare, and then you call somebody in and say, "Listen, this is what we we've, we've known. We've been checking this out. Whatever, you know, what do you want to say about this?" And then you tell them, "Go lawyer up, because
1: we're about to prosecute you." I, I, well, there's a lot of ways you could do this. <laughs> I'm so,
0: I, I, I've never been. I, no, I'm not gonna say I've never been more incensed because I, I have. But this is this is under my skin it's it's under my skin and so I'm trying to figure out a way how I can write about this in a way with and, and I want all the emotion I want all the fiery emotion I just have to figure out a way to write it without cussing see that's 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 the dilemma <laughs> I can write it I'm just trying to I'm just trying to like I need some synonyms for all the curse words. <laughs> How can you say MF without saying MF? Is anybody out there can tell me that? Send me a note. How, how do I say that? Because there's nothing like a good MF. That word is good. Sometimes that, listen, there's no words better than that in situations.
1: Mofo. <laughs> is there another word for Mofo? <laughs>
0: If there is somebody, send it to me. Let me know. I'll use that because I'm 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 crafting a. I'm gonna craft the piece as soon as I finish reading this. Like I gotta finish reading. It's just wearing me out. I and it's exhausting. I'm like, oh my god. When do we get to the part where he gets exonerated out of this mess? Because I can't stand it. And then you know, uh, Nicholas Dowdoff threw in the stats about how many people are actually innocent in prison. You know, like three percent. But if you take three percent of like I don't know, hundred thousand people. That's that's too many damn people. I I can't even imagine. See, this is what. See, this is why I don't I don't go visit prisons because my fear, and I still have this fear. I'm not kidding you. I don't like to go to prisons. I went uh, uh, a couple of years back for the for the Father's Day for the Father's Dance family dance thing that um my 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 ex friend um Mr. Kaplan. And his mother, who is still my friend, um, fund, funded. And that was the first time I've been in anybody's prison since I'd left federal prison camp. And it was an uneasy feeling. I, I, I It was an uneasy. <laughs> Cause you know, I have this fear that they're gonna see my name written down and they'd be like, hey, you're not supposed to be
1: out. <laughs> It's, I know it's irrational.
0: <laughs> it's irrational. It's irrational. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. They're not gonna mess around and mistake or forget or I just it's an irrational fear. I know. I listen. I don't even want to go. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to work it out in therapy. I'm just gonna stand. I'm not going to anybody's prison. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I'm not going to work this out in therapy. I'm not going to journal this. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going. That's it. Once I walked out, I'm out. And I went that one time. That was it. And I was like, I had such an uneasy feeling. I was like, Lord have mercy. And the only reason I went, was because I had a whole bunch of people with me. So I wasn't by myself. But to go by myself, to no, I'm not doing that. You know? And I'm often asked to come speak. I was like, I'll see people. Listen, I'll talk to you when you get out. <laughs> I'll come come see you when you're on the outside when you're in some program. I'll come. I'll talk to any program outside. I'll be back. (laughs) You got some hip hop, Harry? I'll be back. Okay, that's funk, which I like. 5 FM, streaming live at
2: While COVID may not stop a baby's heart, isn't a child with a rising fever, cough, and chills enough to make your heart skip a beat? Children are 19% of reported COVID cases with higher rates in Hispanic and black children. Vaccinated six months to five-year-olds are 80% less likely to get COVID, which means 80% healthier New Haven one-year-olds and 100% happier New Haven parents. To learn more, visit nhvvax.org. I'm
3: Southern Connecticut basketball coach Scott Burrell, born right here in New Haven. I won an NBA championship with the Chicago Bulls. So I know a great defense is a game changer. That's why I support New Haven's Health Department's Take a Shot campaign to help defend teens against meningitis. Whatever your post-high school life is, take a shot now and help keep yourself, your friends, and your family safe and healthy.
2: For more information, visit nhvbax.org. I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set I like to stand in a crowd And watch the people wonder, damn about a thing you understand I'm just an addict addicted to music maybe it's a habit I gotta use it even if it's jazz or the quiet storm I hook a beat up converted it into hip-hop form write a rhyme and graffiti and every show you see me in deep concentration cause I'm no comedian jokers are wild if you wanna be tame I treat you like a child then you're gonna be named another enemy not even a me. cause you'll get fried in the end when you pretend to be competing cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when you compare my rhyme with yours I wake you up and as I stand in your face you seem stunned remember me the one you got your idea from but soon you start to suffer But wanna get rougher when you start to stutter that's when you had enough of fighting it'll make you choke you can't provoke you can't cope you should have broke because i ain't no joke, joke. 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 Who can keep the average dancer, hyper as a heart attack, nobody's smiling, cause you're expressing the that I'm styling, this is what we all sit down to write, you can't make it, so you take it home, break it and bite, Use- Pieces and bits of all my hip hop hits Get the style down packed and it's time to switch Put my tape on pause and add some more to yours Then you figure you're ready for the neighborhood chores So EMCE don't even try to be When you come up to speak don't even lie to me You like to exaggerate, dream and imagine Then change the rhyme around that could aggravate me So when you see me come up freeze Or oh, you'll be one of those seven MCs They think that I'm a new jack but only if they knew that They who think wrong or they who can't do that style that I'm doing They might ruin Patterns of paragraphs based on you and your or B DJ If anything he play sound familiar, I wait to Esay play him. So I'ma have to diss and broke, you can get a smack for this. I ain't no joke. joke. my dj the president when i am see y'all keep a freestyle going steadily to so pump. Puck- And I'll take it for a walk through hell. Freeze your doom. Then watch your eye. IP-
4: And I'm not saying no names Then the thought occurred drops made my eyes blur. Cause I said to myself Look what you've done to her I can feel it inside I can't explain how it feels All I know is that I'm never dishing of the raw deal Playing make believe Pretending that I'm true Holding in my laugh As I say that I love you Saying I'm all Kissing you on the ear, Whispering I love you And I you anywhere, damn sure ain't in my closet or under my rug, this love search is really making me bug. Golden gates, those who fake they break when they meet their four hundred pounds. Made the world. You have everyone right? would have a gun if and together, of you, course. We get the up on their
5: Money in the like a I want to
0: for all the hip hop music. Hey, ho, hooray. <laughs> 50 years of hip hop. I think there's all kinds of documentaries and stuff going on. So if you're feeling so inclined, tune in. Seriously. Uh who knew? And and listen, we have lost some great rappers, artists, uh, and 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 not because of gunshot or any beef or anything, but because you know, they had fallen on, fallen into ill health. So uh, we lost quite a few people, but here we are. We're still standing, still, still standing. So uh, 50 years of hip hop. So just off those Tribe Called Quest CDs. <laughs> Stream me a little uh, Illmatic, you know, get you some Nas nice in your life, you know, do something so you can feel like, Reminisce a little bit. Walk down memory lane. Uh, I think uh, I think there's a there's a line in Love and Hip Hop where it's like when when did you first when did it first when did you first discover hip hop or when did it discover you or something to that effect. uh sonal Lethem says that to Taye Diggs uh, in that movie, that charming little rom com. So yeah, you know. I I can remember a few things, you know, I can remember a few things. So I I might have to take my own advice and walk down hip hop memory lane and uh, see what's happening. Yes. When did you first fall in love with hip hop? (laughs) When did you first fall in love with
1: hip hop? Huh. Interesting. So. Listen, that's a question for all of us. Now that we're all uh, we're we're all in that age cohort, we are we are in that uh, we are in that age cohort, and uh, that's where we are. So, hey,
0: I, I tell you, for me, it was it had to be Run DMC and it had to be sugar hill gang i think sugar hill gang first i think it was sugar hill gang first like i think you know i know that's kind of corny i don't know i don't think it's corny i think it's just appropriate cuz i you know uh that that's that's what i was listening to that's that when that came on the scene we all were like wow you know wow wow you know uh and it has been in our community for a long time cuz you know it was like Spoonie g you know all the casts that could like spin records and you know like talk over records and stuff and and mix records and then you know that was around the time too where you know mixtapes was becoming a thing and you know and people was hustling their mixtapes and um and DJs on the radio got into it so it was a it was a it was a it was a time it was it was a it was new and fresh, and and people didn't know uh, where it was gonna go, and yeah, there was a uh, there were people who uh, oh yeah, rappers delight, that was your got your attention, um, sucker MC run DMC uh, hooked you, oh
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah, you know, and and there was so much um there was so much anxiety about rap music by. The establishment, you know, by politicians, you know, see Dolores Tucker, um, um, the ninny head vice president, uh, Quail, you know, they was all up in arms. And I'm like, you don't got one good hip hop song in your repertoire,
1: like, you think it's all just whatever. Mm. So, anyway, but yeah, I mean
0: yeah i mean I, I i'm i'm lucky in this in this in, this, in such as such that I, I i'm straddling all these things you know hip-hop i'm a baby boomer you know i'm at the tail end of being a baby boomer um so i got the hip-hop and all that kind of stuff and and then i just kind of lost lost interest when it became you know a little a little violent you know Oh yeah, Tipper Gore wanted to shut down the industry. Oh yeah, huh, they look like, I know they must look back and say, you know what? I, I had courage in my conviction, but now, man, history's just
1: playing me wrong. <laughs> ah, oh my God. Oh. There was some tough times. They And they was
0: really talking about that stuff too. They was on it. But now you know what uh, we have a new threat to 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 rap. Um, that I think is uh, I think is hella dangerous. This this using rap lyrics as as uh, as evidence in in crimes. I find that
1: uh, I find that troubling, you know, that you could take somebody's songs. And uh, and use it against them, you know,
0: because you wouldn't have done that to Frank Sinatra when he was like, "I get no kick from champagne or cocaine." I'm sorry, from cocaine, Miracle Hall, you know, like he was confessing,
1: like, "I I do coke and I, I like a little coke and I like a little champagne, and none of it none of it compares to you." Oh, I don't know. I just find it all uh suspect. I just find it as another tool to lock up black
0: people. <laughs> that's how I'm going to, that's how I have to look at this, you know, because it just feels suspect. And uh, I, I don't, I don't think that's because then you could, then you could use people's poetry against them or all the things.
1: And I, I think I think you can't use entertainment like that as a, as a tool to jam somebody up. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm not the brightest bulb in the bunch. And I'm not an intellectual. I mean I I pretend to be. I mean not, not pretend. I attempt to be, but I'm trying to be. And uh, I even know better than that, you know. And
0: I think there was a couple of cases where they tried to railroad somebody, you know, uh, with their lyrics uh, and use it in a court of law. And it got shot down, rightly so, because I think that would set a dangerous
1: precedence. woo A dangerous precedence. I don't want to see that. Um, I certainly don't want to see that uh, but if you if you
0: attempted once you'll come back it'll come back around it just needs a it just needs a more
1: uh, a more uh, a bigger kind of case you know like a bigger a bigger case uh, a, a much more public figure
0: you know They tried it with somebody who you know probably was not the biggest case that they could you know and I and I get it this some of their language in these songs are 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 so blatant and so you know oh I get it but still I think you cross a line you know I think you cross a line with artistry and and how far we're willing to go like I I don't, I don't think that could be the, yeah. and I get it because, you know, a brag is a brag and a brag could be considered a confession, I guess, I guess. I guess that's the thinking. You know, you bragging about shooting people or, you know, you you running around talking about you got your, your Glock or your whatever, your Ruger or whatever the hell it is, and you bad with it. And then somebody in your camp shows up did, Then yeah, all right i i can see how the cops would be uh find that problematic and then take it to a d take it to a, a da and a da be like all right let's let's make a case out of this let's use this to make the case you know and i think once you once you start though that sometimes they know they're not gonna win this and they just want to they just want to put it out there so that when it comes back around it's not a foreign conversation you know it's not a foreign conversation now we used to it. now now you you've done heard it so it, it's almost like okay you used to it do you know what i mean like it's out there so it's not it's not a shock to your system you're like okay here here we come here, here this comes you uh, know and then you could almost almost believe that you could see it do you know what I mean? like you could
1: you could see it. So I find that I find that challenging you know? I find that. Harry, there's no
0: surprise that AI um, it, it will make false false facial recognitions, and then people will get locked the hell up for stuff they didn't do because you know, inherent bias and racism is already built into AI. It's just built in. 'Cause the, the the people that write the codes are racist, <laughs> you know. And and they don't even some of them don't even probably know it. <laughs> you know, they don't even know that they're racist. They just
1: like, oh, well, I like black people. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You like them over there. You know, not not near you. So anyway. I just wanted to uh,
0: just acknowledge that uh, August is Black Philanthropy Month, and uh, the Prosperity Foundation and Community Foundation are um, posting up all kinds of conversations about uh, Black philanthropy. You know, Black people who give money, and uh, and nobody gives more money than the Black Church. The Black Church, Black people lead in philanthropy in this country believe it or
1: not according to the pew uh, uh, the pew people uh, black philanthropy
0: is uh the leading leaders of uh black philanthropy
1: so it's black philanthropy month and that simply means uh let me tell you what it means i'm pulling it up now Cause I want to make sure I get it right. Love in action.
0: <laughs> black philanthropy is love in action. It's love in action. And I'm a black philanthropist. I have the free woman fund where I have to start dispensing, dispersing some money, uh, which I need to do. Uh, I need to raise a little bit more money. I haven't checked it in a very long time. And I should. And I said at 60, I would start giving away some of this money. And it's just sitting there growing, <laughs> which which I got no beef with, uh, but I have to think about where I want to where I want to give. And I, I I I came across somebody who's doing some some stuff with women in prison, out of prison, and uh and I want them to make the introduction because I think that might be a good
1: place to to put some money to put some money, and I like to I like to do that. So, so we'll see. We'll see what I can. We'll see what we can do, and uh, put some money somewhere, and uh, we'll make a little bit of a, a contribution. But that's what I want to do.
0: So, so once I get past all, well, I can't even say once I get past all the law school stuff because that's just around. <laughs> it's around. I just have to carve out some space to, to think about uh, the Freed Women's Fund. I, I had thought I wanted to have another fundraiser, which I think I do, I'd probably at the end of the summer. And then uh, and then start moving uh, a little bit of this money. And then start having regular fundraisers to uh, put money into it. You know, uh, So it's got to be like $15,000 sitting here right now, somewhere around there. Twelve to fifteen. I have, like I said, I haven't checked it in a very long time. I was so excited about the giving um, that uh, I have to I have to do it again. So, so maybe I'll make my own little video about um, giving. So, and just say, you know what? Let me let me just update you on the Freed Women's Fund. So, this is how much money we have. We haven't given away money yet because I had said when I started this uh, that I wasn't going to give any money away until I turned sixty. That, that, no rhyme or reason, just just seemed like a good time to, to do it. Uh, and so now I'm starting to sort of pay attention to where some of this money should go, that that will make a real difference to some woman, you know, who's coming out of, uh, who's coming home and coming back to community. Uh, and I, and my, my thinking really is about giving money to women so they can have it in their pocket. Because I I it's I can't impress upon people how difficult it is to not have your own money, like tangible money. You know, it is. It I mean, we've already set up in this country that money is respectability, and uh, uh, money is uh, freedom. Money is uh, all. You know, we we've already. We've determined that, that's, that's why, you know, uh, we, uh, we've determined that, and that's why people will do anything they can for it, steal it, rob for it, cheat for it, lie for it. You know, we've already, uh, we've put such a high premium on money that not to have it is uh, debilitating. Uh, it is debilitating and so my thinking is when women come out of prison they need a little bit of cash in their pocket and i mean if they've served some time they'll get a little check a tiny little check from corrections of the of their money that they that they was there long enough and had some kind of 15 cent an hour job you know but that money will that money will do nothing but wash your clothes you know what i mean like it's not it's not thousands of dollars it's it might be a hundred dollars you know uh and 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 if you've gone to prison and your family was sending you money for your time, you know that's an added expense to the family and when you get out, you know it's gonna be a uh, a huge a huge a huge burden to uh and and I know families don't see it that way and i and i'm I'm not saying burden like problematic i'm saying burden like you know this is one more thing that that families that are already hard pressed have to contend with right to make sure that you have basic stuff if you still have family ties and there are a lot of people who don't have family ties because those bridges were burned or they just never had any family ties to begin with you know um so uh so you so it becomes challenging to sort of put your hands on cash to take care of your basic personal needs. And yes, there are there are organizations out there that give you soap and toothpaste and a little bag of toiletries, you know, and, and there are some organizations that might give you a, a grocery card for $25 or $50 or whatever. Um but that's not like that's not the same as having. Some money in your pocket. So when you go visit your kids, you could take them to McDonald's and not be shamed. Do you know what I mean? Like you could do something with your kids. You know, you could, you could do something. You know, that that's that's how I'm thinking about this. Like you could, you know, they, you know, you're trying to re and if you had, you know, and most most a lot of people that have gone to prison, they do have kids and they're and they're trying to get their kids back if their kids got snatched snatched from them because they got incarcerated or if kids are staying with grandparents or whatever and you still not together enough where you could get them yet or you know take them Um, but you still want to see them and be a parent to them and I don't know anybody who does not understand that parents want to take their kids to do stuff that they see other families do And if it's just a trip to McDonald's or to a pizza place or whatever, you need some money to do that, you know, or if you want to get your kid a gift, right, you you get out and you want to give your kid a gift, you know, because you missed all the things and you don't want it to be some cheesy thing, but you want something decent, you know, a little money in your pocket for that. Do you know what I mean? A little money goes a long way into making you feel like you are part of society because we've already said that's what money is for so so that's my thinking around why why i've created this fund and why i want to disperse these funds uh to women coming out of prison you know and 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 it's specifically for black women because black women don't often have
1: access to all the things and uh and I want to, uh, I just want to make a little bit
0: of an inroad there. You know, I, I listen, I don't have millions. I got a couple of thousand dollars. I'll make a little bit of an inroad there. Um, and so I think that's what I'm going to work on. As soon as I get back from Martha's Vineyard, I'm going to have a conversation with the prosperity people say, you know what? I'd like to, I'd like to identify some places to send this money with a little letter saying, listen, this, I raise this money for you I want you to give it to women who uh who desperately need it um give it out as as the way you see fit and then just send me an end of the year report about you know what you did with it and whatever that kind of stuff like I want it to be easy breezy I don't, I don't want this to be a whole thing do you know what I mean <laughs> I don't want this to be complicated at all I want to get this money out to people because it's time. And uh, I think I'm gonna have one more
1: fundraiser and uh, and maybe I'll do it at Bloom. I have one more fundraiser at Bloom. And uh,
0: maybe I have a fundraiser at Bloom, maybe a fundraiser of possible futures. You know, like if you come, you get this book. I don't know if this, I, don't, I don't know if there's any women in prison. I
1: mean, I guess there's some women in prison books. I guess I would have write one. Been a woman in prison. Uh a woman in prison book, so, um,
0: I'm sure, sh- yeah, oh, yeah, I know some, I know some, like, Patrice Gaines, um, oh, I know some women, I know some women, I do, you know, who, who are prolific writers, so, yeah, so, I, I'm already, I'm, it's percolating, I'm thinking about this in a in a real way, you know, I'm thinking about this in a real way, so, uh Somebody's getting divorced that we know. Oh, uh, Tina, Tina Knowles and um, Mr. Lawson. I guess it lasted eight years. Eh, they're old people. That's a good enough time. She looked like she could be a lot of work, though. I think she looked like she could be a lot of
1: work. <laughs> She, she likes
0: to do a, lot, do a lot of work, but but I, this is what I know though. You get a certain age, you really cannot tolerate people in intimate spaces. And I, I bet you, she I think she really I think she really liked liked her freedom more than she realized she liked her freedom. And I think she got married because she was so wounded by getting divorced. Because I know that feeling. Because I, I tried to do the same foolishness. I did do the same foolishness. You get in these relationships because you're so wounded, and you just want to prove to yourself that you're wanted, and and that you you know that you're not by yourself, and it's not a terrible thing. Well, and then you get on down the road, and you're like, oh, I like this level of liberation and freedom. I am not wa-. and I know she woke up one day and be like, why the hell am I married when I just want my freedom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's how that went down. I think she, I, let's I, I'm only speaking about what I know. When I got out of my divorce, all I wanted to do was recreate the life that I thought I was losing, the life that I thought I was missing out on because he got married so quickly, you know, after we got divorced, you know, and uh, it, it didn't look, and he didn't look back. And I thought, man, and so in my mind, and I didn't think this out like that. I just was like, I was just so consumed with being in a relationship, you know? And so, and so I got in a relationship and it was a very, very bad relationship. It was a very, very bad relationship. It could have been a good relationship if he wasn't a gaslighting, manipulating liar. But other than that, <laughs> and, and he was somebody that I knew my whole life. So, so this is why it made it so easy for me to step into this because I was like, oh, this is this is what we've always been waiting for. This is what we should have been doing. This is, you know, this is our time. And so he came to live with me. And it 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 was it was it was a, a disaster. And no matter what I did to try to save this thing, and I and let me tell you, it was like the Titanic. And I tried to save it. And my kids were watching me suffer through this foolishness. And then one day I just woke up and I said, that's it. It's over. Get out. It's done. Swear to God. Because I, I just was thinking, my kids see me suffering through this foolishness. And I don't want them to see me suffering through this foolishness. So I made a big show of putting that MO out, that MFR out. And uh, never looked back. Never looked back. So I, I would imagine Tina, Tina Knowles woke up and said, okay, why am I married? I really want to be, I really want to run around the world with my good girlfriends and drink champagne and stay out all night and not have to have deal with nobody. <laughs> and I'm sure he was a lovely, he's a fine man, like he's good looking as hell. Um, uh, but I think, I think, I think women, what happens when they get married, and I think Oprah, and I never understood Oprah when she used to say this. But if she would have married Stetson, he would have had expectations. And I used to be like, oh, that's BS. But I understand it now. I didn't understand it when she said it when I was in my 30s. But I understand if I got married, there'd be some expectation that I would be a wife of some sort. I don't ever want to be that again. And listen, I don't want to be a wife. But I like my freedom so much more, so, so much more, so much more than being married. And I'm not knocking marriage because I believe in in marriage. I, I marry people all the time. I believe in marriage. I believe in happily ever after. I believe in love everlasting. I believe thick and thin. I believe in that stuff. But at this point in my life, unless... I, I don't even I don't even know what it would take to make me marry somebody again. I don't even know. And I don't and I don't say that from a place of uh I hated being married. I I, I was at my very I was at that was probably one of the when I was really coming into my own as a married person because I was I felt safe in my marriage, I felt secure in my marriage, my husband didn't run around, he didn't do any of that stuff. And uh uh but it ended and it ended and now, and now we're, now we're friends. Like we talk, we see, I mean, we got kids in common, you know, um, he's, I like him more now than I did when I married him. (laughs) Cause you know, I could just go away. (laughs) Like we have a conversation and then we don't have to, and then we don't have to continue the conversation into the house, into the bedroom, into the kitchen. Like we, we have the conversation and then, okay, I'll see you later. That's that's a level of sweetness right there, so so I so I like him now, you know, and I and it, and I had to have my period where I, I didn't like him, and 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 I just could not, you know, be whatever. But then over the years we gotten we gotten back into sync. We never really were out of sync, but I was wounded and uh, and it was painful. It was very painful, and uh, and I, I, and and it was. It was just painful to get divorced and uh, and I'm not even afraid to get divorced again. like that's that's not it because you know, that's life. I'm glad that I I'm glad that I can have emotions. I'm glad I felt something about that. I'm glad that it hurt. I'm glad that it dragged me. I'm glad that uh, I rose up from it. all of that because we're human. I want I want all the emotions. I don't shy away from the emotions. I don't, people are like, oh, I don't want to get hurt again. What do you mean? You, you, you can't, you cannot live trying to pick and choose the, the emotions you want to have. You have emotions as a human being that are full range and it's all right. And none of them have to kill you. You can have a broken heart and get through a broken heart without jumping off a building. Right? Like, you don't, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you can be sad. And play all the sad songs. Like you could be sad and put on a and feel like you want to cut your wrist, but you don't. You just pour yourself some good-ass scotch and you just allow yourself to mourn whatever that loss is. And then girl, get your fine ass up and put some lipstick on and go out the door and hail you another brother. (laughs) That is it. That is it. So yeah, so I I and I and I've done the work of divorce because I used to run a divorce group. So so I know and people people get stuck in that divorce story and they can't ever get out of it. I always tell people that's your lesser story. Your your, your bigger story is what you do now. Get out of the lesser story because it's. I always used to say to people, it's like you drinking poison hoping that they will die. And they done moved on. I, I had a woman in my divorce group. He, this man, she was the first wife. He was already on wife number four. And she was still so mad about the way he left her for wife number two. And wife number two done went on, did her own thing. Wife number three went on, did her own thing. Wife number four is like, I should have listened to them fixed. But, but she was. it was as if they got divorced yesterday. And she was like, I hate the fact that he got away, that he just walked away free. I'm like, girl, you you are free too, <laughs> and so she spends her time finding ways to just get on his, you know, to drive him crazy. And I'm like, that's how you want to spend your life. I and she, she got so mad at me; she stopped coming because she was like, she was like, she, she said I didn't understand, and I was like, no, I don't understand. I said because he's he's three wives down now, and you still suffering you're still suffering. And why do you want to keep suffering? You're a good looking woman. You still have your vibrancy, but this is eating away at you and it's aging you and crippling you and you're not enjoying your life. What you're doing is you are pining away at somebody who has already married three other people behind you and after you. He ain't thinking that one thing about you she has
1: fights with him and she wants to, and the kids are grown now. I was like, girl, girl. So that's why I did that work, trying to help women get over themselves and do it in a very social way. Cause it was, you know, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just, uh, it was just, uh, it was just a lot. So I'm just saying, I like my freedom.
0: <laughs> I like my freedom. And, uh, and and until I don't, that's where I'm at. So until I meet somebody who, who, who I want to share that freedom with, baby, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And and I'm I love marriage. And I'll marry anybody. I'm like, listen, just as a piece And a minister, like one of those little minister people who can marry anybody anywhere around the world. I'll do it. I'm happy to do it. You know, I love I love marriage. So and I don't equate love and marriage. You could be in love and not be married. You know, I get it. I, I like being in love, but I already am in love. I'm in love with everything around me. Um, I don't know if I'll get married again, and I'm sixty, so I don't know. We'll see. I don't know some now I now today I say all this, and then tomorrow I run into the 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 person of my dreams. <laughs> and then I come back and say, well <laughs> that that dream space was pretty strong. <laughs> the dream space pretty damn strong. I don't know. it was just I, listen listen he changed my mind so anyway i'm back tomorrow with the with the folks that are doing the uh uh, art critiques for the for the new project that the new haven independent has launched go over there and read their stuff from tulsa oakland hartford and new york um and then we're gonna talk i'm gonna catch up with them tomorrow it's gonna be a good conversation so i'll see y'all tomorrow and stay dry it's raining Oh, I thought Harry's going to play us out with some hip-hop. All right.
6: And drop some smooth
3: lyrics. Chris 88. Time to set it straight, you know what I'm saying? And ain't no half-stepping. Word. I'm ready. Rapper stepping to me. They want to get some. But I'm the cane, so yo, you know the outcome. I'm not the victory. They can't get with me. So pick a BC date, cause you're a history. I'm the authentic poet to get lyrical. For you to beat me, it's gonna take a miracle. And stepping to me, yo, that's a wrong move. So what you want, Hobbs? Dope a dog Dope do a Competition. I just devour like a pitbull against a chihuahua Cause when it comes to being dope, hot damn, I got it good Now let me tell you who I am The bigda Dramatic, asiatic, not like many I'm different, so don't compare me to another Cause they can't hang. word to the mother At least not with the principal in this pedigree So when I roll on your rappers, you better be ready To die because you're petty I'm a machete, this made I can wait until when you drop the front, so I can chop into your body. Just because you try to be basing Friday the 13th, I'ma play Jason. No type of joke, that game, puzzle, or riddle. The name is Big Daddy, yes, big, not little, so define it. Here's your walking paper, sign it, and take a walk as the canes start to talk,
5: cuz...